Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast, presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS, part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Luke Wyatt. We'll talk Vanderbilt baseball. Luke appears on the guest line that's presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael's a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, furniture, and made-to-order items, including a display case for my prized Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call. That number eight, excuse me, 615-830-9458. Now onto our show with Luke Wyatt. Luke Wyatt joins us today. It is Monday. Vanderbilt has swept Mississippi State in a baseball series in pretty astonishing fashion. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But first, thank you for joining us today. I think you're on the road in Atlanta and appreciate yeah. you being with us today. Absolutely, Chris. Yeah, it was a, a unexpected weekend. Not that we won games, but the fact of the way we won them. But Mississippi State's got some really some real issues in pitching. Uh, I thought they I think their starters have some potential, but their bullpen was, is, was awful. Um, I, I saw some kids throwing there and I, I'm not going to name names, but that I, I saw some better pitching in my going to see my nephew play in high school. Uh, so there you have that. And that, I don't know where, how Mississippi state has gotten in that shape in two year period. It's kind of scary. Uh, but that's where they're at, and I and, and then giving credit to our kids, we we are swinging the bats, man. We started it last week against Ole Miss, who they're also zero and six. I get that, but they're not in, the, in near the shape Mississippi State's in. Uh, Mississippi State fielding also was very poor. Their shortstop had a, struggled all weekend. Uh, I mean, there's just a myriad of things that they've got to work on. But from the Vanderbilt standpoint, what a great weekend. Yeah, I had a busy and crazy weekend in many respects, and I was listening to the broadcasts on the way to see my parents on Sunday afternoon. I heard Andrew Allegretta talk about how the margin of victory in the Thursday game, I think, or the Friday game, excuse me, was the highest in the history of Tim Corbin's tenure at Vanderbilt. I'm guessing other records were broken for run scored and run margin and SEC play, but I haven't checked it. I don't know if anybody has. I don't know if you happen to hear that or not, but it would be hard for to me to imagine a more lopsided sweep in the history of Vanderbilt baseball than the one that happened this weekend. No, I don't think so. And I, I think back even to the years of in the seventies when Larry Smittle had some really good teams and we pounded a few teams. That was back in the wooden bat era, and the games weren't – you didn't score that. You just didn't score that many runs in games, no matter how poor the pitcher was with wooden bat. And uh, <clears throat> I don't think there's anything close to it, to be honest with you. I guess of what, 55 runs than what we scored, uh, something like that. Yeah, 55 to 15. Yeah. I mean, Winning an SEC honestly, series by 40 runs, and you don't even play two innings. Yeah, crazy. You know, and, and our pitching was – uh, was good and uh, Mississippi State still had some bats. They have, I think they had six guys yes. in the lineup hitting 300. So that's not their issue. They can score runs uh, against people. But defensively, it's like, my goodness, Chris. Uh, and I don't know how much of the games you actually saw or just listened to on the radio, but I watched every pitch of every inning. And they, I mean, even pop ups and fly balls sometimes were an adventure. And I don't know whether it's just been a, they've missed on every recruit or what? I, I don't know. And maybe they'll get out of the funk, but there's something not right with that team period besides the talent uh, falling off a cliff. There's something not right with that squad, and you can tell it. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I thought that sometimes when you you win a game by that much, there's a sort of a come-to-Jesus thing in that other dugout. Right. and. It it didn't happen for Saturday, and I thought, well, Sunday, okay, they're saving their best pitcher to start Sunday. In Futrell is throwing for Vanderbilt. He's a pronounced fly ball pitcher. 
I'm not saying the wind was blowing out or whatever, but I mean, it seemed like balls, I guess, with the weather were getting out of there pretty easily. And I just told my wife, we're listening on the radio is we're, we're going to see my parents. The first few innings, I said, I could see this one getting sideways for them today. They're throwing a, a good pitcher. It's the best they've got. Everything's gone wrong against them. Vanderbilt's throwing a guy that's very fly, fly ball prone against a good lineup on a weekend with a ball is getting out of there pretty quickly. I said I could just see them dominating the series but still losing one. And even with that, they won that game. Right, and, and even with a poor outing by Bryce Cunningham, he came in and yeah. uh, couldn't throw strikes. And when, they, when, he, when, when he did, it was fastballs right down the middle, and they, they took advantage of him. So, uh, you know, I, that was really the only pitcher that struggled. Uh, Devin wasn't great, but he was – he, I mean, you know, he, he did he did enough to keep us in the game with us having the the lead we had, uh, and then Maldonado was himself as always. But uh, we are, I'm telling you, Chris, and I know we got Georgia coming up, and they're one in five, but they scored 24 runs themselves in their series yeah. finale, Auburn. So you know, there's a lot of teams hitting the ball, and I, I, you know, you and I have talked about this about bats, is it balls, is it this, is the balls used? Uh, part of it is conditions. Like I said, Saturday, and I don't want to take anything away from some of our home ones. I think Parker hit one that was a no-doubter, would have been out in a – it didn't matter. And then Diaz hit a couple that were no-doubters. But there were a few that the wind aided big time for them and us. And uh, I think that's part of it maybe, some windy conditions. But, my goodness, uh, 26 runs, 18 runs, and 11 runs in an SEC series. I mean, you can – I'm looking – yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Not- I mean, you can underhand the ball to someone and not not give up that many runs. I'm looking at the stat sheet in conference-only play for all the teams, and they've scored 82 runs. Next is LSU at 56. And again, and I get that there's some other teams in here that didn't bat in their halves of the ninth inning at home because they're leading – Maybe there's a run rule game or two, but that's 82 runs without getting to bat in five innings of six games. Yeah. Oh yeah, you talk about being spoiled. We're gonna if we win a game four to three, we're gonna think we're horrible. <laughs> I mean, it, it it really we have barreled, and you know I do my barrel thing. Well, yeah. Listen to this uh, on the first Can, game. Are you first. are you able to count that high? That's the question. I know you're smart, well, but everybody has their limits. <laughs> I, listen, I, it's funny. I had I do it with slashes on a piece of paper, or I do it in slashes on my phone. I was doing it on a piece of paper when I was sitting at home uh, Friday night, and I got up to 31 barrels. We had 20 hits, but 31 barrels. That's Goodness. crazy. It's a crazy number. And, uh, I, I, you know, everybody over the weekend, I don't think anybody had a bad weekend. Everybody at least had one good game of the three. And of course, Parker Nolan, they had to take him kicking and screaming. I've started. Well, he had a, he doubled his stats or more uh, for the weekend. Yeah. Par- I wouldn't have blamed Parker Nolan if he missed the team bus to go back home. No, absolutely not. I mean, my goodness. Um, but I did, I, I, again, I, I do want to say this to be fair, there were some wind aided home runs, but it didn't matter about the home runs. We were hitting bullets uh, all over the place. Gap to gap. Uh, Enrique looks like he's coming out of it completely. Uh, he was very, you know, and we weren't swinging at those bad breaking balls and being off stride and lunging and all that. That wasn't happening. Now, the Friday night pitcher, uh, pitching pitching for them, like I said, I think it was Friday, their bullpen, the, those guys that came in, now they were all freshman kids. But my goodness, Chris, they weren't topping 84 with a fastball. They couldn't have been. Yeah, I don't know how to explain what's happened to Mississippi State. But that's that's another topic for somebody else's podcast. Um, it is. And I'm looking at the stat sheet. This is SEC-only stats. Vanderbilt leads the league in batting average, 366. Next is LSU, 312. Runs, as I said, Vanderbilt is 82, LSU is 56, second place. At bats, Vanderbilt's had 224 bats, second place, LSU 215. Hits, 82, second place, LSU 67. Doubles, Vanderbilt actually is in third in doubles. They better get it together. Um, Missouri has 16, 
Georgia has 14, Vanderbilt third with 13. Of course, hard to double when you hit the ball out of the park. Vanderbilt actually doesn't have a triple yet. That's a little bit of an upset. 19 home runs ahead of South Carolina and Florida, which are tied with 16. Um, RBIs, which are kind of meaningless, but maybe you know sometimes you can't get an RBI if there's an error on there. 77 of their 82 runs have haven't had an RBI attached. Total bases, 152. That leads the league over South Carolina at 113. Again, all-conference play. Walks, uh, let's see. LSU is tied with 37 for first with Vanderbilt. Hit batsman, they've been hit seven times. Actually, that's kind of low for the league. There's been several teams that have been hit by more pitches. Strikeouts, they are and, – and, and sorry to, to just read off a stat sheet, but it just is amazing how they're doing everything well. Right. There are – see, Mississippi State has only struck out 40 times. That's less than Vanderbilt has. That's it. They've Vanderbilt hit into one double play, which is kind of remarkable given how many base runners they've had. On base percentage, number one, 465. Um, Steals actually, Kentucky stole an 18. Vanderbilt stole nine. AM stole 10. Uh, but anyway, they are they are basically doing everything well offensively in conference play. If you want to pick a bone with it, I don't know where you start. No, there's nothing you can say. I mean, it's almost been perfect baseball offensively and uh, defensively as well. We haven't made an error. In, in the six games, I don't think. If we did, here's, we yeah, and here's the place I was going to go with that. They they have not made an error. They have turned nine double plays in the league, which leads yeah. the conference. Their defense has just locked it down. And Chris, slugging percentage. Now, this is for the entire year. When we started the SEC of the six games back, I think we only had one guy slugging over 500. We now have six guys slugging 500 or more. So that's how much damage we've done in six games. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just unbelievable. Now, uh, you know, each week it's going to get tougher. Like I said, Georgia put up 24 in their last game, even though they won one game. But, I, you know, as long as we keep doing what we're doing and the approach that we have, you know, we talked about this, Chris, if you remember on the podcast. I know you do so many. It's tough for you to remember some. But we talked about this, you and I, about, you know, the approach at the plate was not good in a lot of games, like that 17-inning game we had with Evansville, how just a lot of, you know, uh, poor decisions, taking a lot of fastballs down the middle. Well, we're chasing fastballs now. We're hunting them, and when they throw one, we attack it. Diaz, Polk, R.J. Austin, when you throw them a fastball, it's going somewhere hard. It may not be a hit, but it's going to be barreled. And I think that's just a, an approach thing that, Either Mike Baxter has decided to get this done, or uh, with Corbs, or just. But it's a total different approach than what they had uh, in the first fifteen or uh, fifteen or twenty games. Yeah, it doesn't look like the same team. I mean, like I said two weeks ago, it just seemed like they were leading the universe in soft ground balls to the infield. And I mean, I, I I've never seen a team change its hitting approach and turn it around in the blink of an eye like this one has done. No, and I think the only thing you can attribute to the, – the, the only uh, it's not a negative, but the only thing that you can attribute this to besides them doing it is some poor pitching. Now, you know, we I, I don't know statistically where Ole Miss is. You probably have that in front of you. But I know Mississippi State's got to be uh, over 10 as an ERA. They have to be. It's fourteen ninety eight. They have state's pitching has actually been worse than Vanderbilt's offense has been good in league play, and, and I mean, right. of course, half that's fueled by Vanderbilt. But state's given up ninety runs in forty eight and two thirds innings. Eighty one of those are earned. You know, I remember last year the last because they've lost now what seventeen straight league seventeen. Games? Okay, last year they ended with eleven straight losses. Didn't Tennessee beat them like similar to what we did? At yes. the end of the year last year, so it's it, this is something that's an ongoing thing from carryover from a year. So uh, you know, I, you still have to give someone credit. Like I said, I don't care if they're underhanding the ball. If you stand at the plate and swing, and to get twenty six runs home, then eighteen, then eleven, that's 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 an, that's incredible. Yeah, it just is a weird situation. Of course, that fan base wants the coach gone um, two years after winning a national title, which it's in a way it's hard to blame them. 
Oh, listen, they, they have gone from the outhouse to the penthouse. I mean, the penthouse to the outhouse in a heartbeat. Okay. You, pitch- you don't sound- <laughs> what could happen? Um, I've got some weird pitching stuff I want to throw at you in a minute, but sure. I mean, I think it seems to me like you said their swings have been more aggressive. I feel like you've nope. got some guys like Vastine and, and Austin in particular who take some really hard hacks at it, and sometimes they'll come up missing, but I feel like the trade-off to when those guys are making contact is more than worth it. And really, it just feels like that's the approach for a lot of the lineup. And I, I recall back here last year to another team that did this, when SEC play started, they just flipped the switch and it was Texas A&M. And you're just watching them going, that lineup is a nightmare to pitch to, because you don't get an easy strike against them. They'll foul balls off. Um, they sit fastball, and my goodness, they will they will swing and miss some, but they will also absolutely hammer it um, when it's when it's there to be hit. And it, it just feels like we're watching the same offense we saw with the Aggies a year ago. Yeah, that's a great comparison. You know, it, it also kind of started for us, I felt like, when Bulger started hitting. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jack he had a great weekend. Him. He did, and again, he was one of those that got robbed two or three times where I did a slash for a barrel that he hit. And uh, gosh, Chris, there was <laughs> we could have actually had legitimately seventy hits in those three games. Think about Goodness. that. <laughs> That's just unheard of. Um. But anyway, coming up with, you know, the, the Georgia series, uh, I, you know, this has to, this can't continue. It's unrealistic to expect them to do this. But if they just do half of what they're doing, if you average uh, seven runs a game with their pitching, they should be able to win two out of three most weekends against any of the teams in the SEC, any of them. And I've seen everybody, I watched so much baseball, my eyes were bleeding this weekend. I've seen just about everybody's pitching staff. Uh, I watched the LSU Arkansas game. They played really early the other day because of weather, and um, you know Christian Little was supposed to be their co- closer, and he got Christian got racked. Um, they have some, some some a few issues too. Now they've got some great arms, but they've also got a few issues in their bullpen. So I, I think everybody in this league is vulnerable, um, and we still got Laboki looked great again the other day. Uh, Cunningham was the only person who struggled a little bit. Just so many positives right now. You don't know where to what to stop the defense. I mean, good grief, zero errors and the play that uh, the double play that ended uh, one of the games, maybe in the second game, was incredible. You know, the other guy that's standing out, and again, it's just so weird because he couldn't he couldn't make contact hard enough to put it through a sheet of paper the last two months last year, and and part of this season to begin. Davis Diaz is hitting the ever-leading tar out of the ball. He had two yeah. home runs Sunday. He had that one. He probably had the hardest-hit ball of the whole weekend on that one that was foul on Friday. And I don't yeah. know that that was foul or just was hit so hard and so high over the foul pole. I Watching the replay, it felt kind of like, we, we don't know. We couldn't tell. We'll just we'll go with the call in the field. And for all we know, it was a, it was a home run. But that guy... And again, don't and I said this when they were not doing well. Let's not forget that they got some guys that have had some ability to flash some things before, and so you just never know. Now look, not in a million years would I've outlined it to play out the way it has, but Davis Diaz was a very, very talented player coming out of high school, and my goodness, it is now showing. It is. And sometimes it takes a while for it to all come together. You know, when you get a hitting coach who wants you to do some things that are out of the ordinary or out of your comfort zone, sometimes it's human nature just to fight that. But then once you realize, hey, okay, there's a reason for this, you know, you know, and, and it could be this too, Chris, and I, I'm just, this is just a straight-up opinion. I don't have any knowledge of anything. It could have been Corb sat down with Bax and said, look, what we're doing is not going to work. we got to change our approach completely starting blank. And, that you know, that, that may be as simple as that. Let these kids, in other words, take the reins off these kids and let them go. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was, whatever it was, <laughs> figure it out and do it again and again. 
you know, the other guy that's that's really been a, a game changer for them. You talk about Bolger. It seems like about the time they put Chris Maldonado in the lineup is when it changed. Also, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, and and that would probably not have happened if Parker had a couple of rough defensive games early in the year. Dropped a pop up, didn't to, he? Yeah, in foul territory, and there was three other errors. He dropped one on a pickoff play to first. It was right in his glove, just went over the tip of his glove. Uh, but I think the the he was Corbett was sending a message to Parker and played Chris at first that day, and then uh, that that day is when Chris I think went three for four. So uh, yeah, you're exactly right. That and then the, the coming around of Jack Bulger because you know we were teetering on okay, do we go with the defensive better defensive catcher in Espinal who can't hit breaking balls much, or do we go with Jack? And then finally, you know, you just you, Jack's had so many at bats, and he does the best job of anybody on the team as far as his eye at the plate. You know, he walks. I think he's walked more than anybody on the team, uh, or struck out less than anybody on the team. Maybe I should say that. Uh, he's putting the ball in play, and he's putting it with hard contact now. Bulger has struck out thirteen times, been hit three times. I'm sorry, has walked thirteen times, been hit three times, and struck out five times. So basically, he's getting on base by free passes at over a three to one rate, which is unbelievable. That is, that is. So that's yeah, that's huge. I mean, when you have a guy like Bastine hitting ninth in your order, and Polk hitting eighth. I tell you, Bastine uh, yeah. has looked like the best hitter on the team in small bursts. And I think he will have, I think he'll have uh, spots because he swings so hard. I think his swing pass and the way he swings, he swings so hard. When, like you said, when he makes contact, it's going somewhere in a hurry, uh, over a hundred mile per hour, leaving his bat. And uh, you know he's going to go. I think he's going to strike out. He's going to be a high strikeout guy. We don't have many of those on this team. Knock on wood. We're still at that point that I keep talking about. Only seven strikeouts a game. That's where we're at. Like seven point two. And we're striking out opponents at almost 12. If those stats stay where they are for the remaining eight series in the season, we're going to be up around that 45 win mark. Yeah. And guess who's over 400 on his on base percentage now? Who's that? Bradfield. Yeah, there you go. And, and you know, we, we've talked, we, we both agree with this. He's what, he's the engine. And if it, you know, when he gets going, you know, it, it takes so much attention away from the hitter because they throw over the first five and six times, and most of the time, even though he's been caught early in the year, he's going to steal second on most catchers. Yeah. I just I don't feel like there's a guy in the lineup that I would love to pitch to right now. I, I, I feel like the, the most logical candidate, and I hate to pick on him, I'm just you have to pick somebody, is Parker Nolan. And the kid had an 11 RBI game with two grand slams on Friday. <laughs> yeah, like I said, he just, yeah, it's crazy. And uh, I think, you know, he he had two strikeouts, I think, in one game. That's the only flaw of his weekend. He had an incredible weekend. And he made some great plays at first as well. Vastine, um, I was listening to the, I don't know if they're the guy, you you might know who called the game on ESPN+. Plus. Is it, are those uh, Mississippi State folks that called the game? I believe they are. Yeah, yeah. they weren't bad homers. I, did, I don't mean that. No, at all. they were good. They were good. They were good. I thought. I thought they were very good, and uh, they were really uh, loving on Bastine and his defense. Yeah, I mean, th- like I said, their defense locked it down. Uh, and look, remember how bad Diaz started the season defensively? I don't think fielding percentage is everything. But he's 930 now. I think he was down in the 700s for a while when he was at short or maybe low 800s. And it's, look, I, I kind of watch fielding percentages by position over the years. If you start fielding north of about 930, you're generally a pretty good third baseman. And I, and I know he's been fielding that at third. I mean, at least at least by college standards. And I feel like I feel like all his errors have come at short. But that could be... Wrong. No, you're right. No, you're correct about that. I think of his eras, and I don't know how many he has, not in front of me. I think he made one at third. Except five. And that's okay, so four of them I know came to shortstop. 
So the fifth one, it may have been, so I think he made one. I think I remember a midweek game when he was switched to third and he made a boot over there where he just he made the stop but then bobbled the ball and couldn't couldn't throw anyone out. But but he now you want him to hit the ball to him. You're begging him to hit it to him. His reactions at third, and I said this when they made the switch. I liked it because I didn't know it was going to work out this good, but I liked it because I think his hands are really good, but his range is not as good as fast time. So it works out better for him playing third. They've turned 24 double plays this year, too. And, I mean, that's maybe there's a little bit of good fortune involved in there. I mean, it's got to get a ground ball hit to the right guy at the right time. And, you know, sometimes the difference between a double play and and one getting through to score two is is a matter of about two inches. But their their turns and their execution there just seems to have been flawless lately. Well, the R.J. Austin kid, got to love him. I I see what Corbin talks about when he says he's a – He's an old 1970s type ball player. He is. He, he's he's just a grinder. He's going to do everything he can. You know, there was a pop up, and and this is this was the announcers that brought this to the attention. There was a pop up that was probably I don't know three to five rows back, and the way Mississippi State Duty Noble is shaped, there's a big gap over there by the bullpen. He and Shrek. I'm talking Austin. And Nolan were all right there, and all three of them could have made the play because they were all hustling. So that's another thing. Now I know it's easy to hustle when you're winning twenty six to three and eighteen to five, but uh, that was impressive to me. Well, think about this: their infield next year could be a just for for giggles here. Let's put Maldonado at first. They could have Austin at second, Vastine at short. And Diaz at third, and you know what? I've seen some good Vanderbilt infields that might be as good as any of them. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list; it testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. I agree. I agree with that. There's a lot of those guys have the tools for that. And, you know, and we talked about it. Our recruiting's been so good. You know, at some point, uh, given enough at bats and, and you get the patience with these kids, they're going to pan out. They just, most of the time. Yeah. And then that was the thing when they were, it was going so badly. You just right. kind of thought about it, and you're like, you know, they're not stupid. Their staff works as hard as anybody in the country. These kids were pretty highly touted players. Like, if some point, if it's nothing other than utter stupid, dumb luck, they're bound to get right. better. Now, again, I didn't see yeah. this coming, but that always had to be on your radar of possibility. Sure. But, and like I said earlier, you can't. You can't be lucky and score as many runs as we scored. There's got to be a lot to that. Now, obviously, your opponent has something to do with that, but you still got to hit the ball and you got to hit the ball in the barrel. And we have seen in the past, like we talk about, uh, Vanderbilt's kryptonite has always been those slow tossing lefties or righties. Anybody throws the ball, throws slop, so to speak. And uh, that wasn't the case because Mississippi State had a few of those this weekend and we hammered those guys too. So I think it's approach, approach, approach. I really do. And it's across the board. It just it isn't just one or two guys. All right, let's let's talk pitching for a minute. And there's a couple of weird things on the stat sheet here, too. Which staff has got the fewest strikeouts in the league? Uh, in in University league play. Tennessee. Vanderbilt. 41. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I thought you meant the other way. Okay. No, 41. next next lowest team is A&M at 48. Vanderbilt has also walked the fewest people. It's walked 14. 
It has hit two batters. That's the lowest total in the league. Again, the 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 soft contact or the you know, it, it, gosh, Enrique Bradfield has run down about a thousand balls in the outfield in SEC play too. Uh, right. So defense is a lot of it, but it is weird to look at the stat sheet. Now, Mississippi State is a team that doesn't strike out a lot. State oh, struck don't. out the fewest times offensively in league play. That's been a trend for at least two or three years now. That's just how State does offense, and so that's a tough lineup to strike out. But it's weird. You're looking down, and they are they're number one in the they're they're the the lowest team in terms of strikeouts. They're the best team in terms of control. And just, you know, six home runs. There are a few teams that have allowed fewer. They haven't allowed a triple yet. And seven doubles is also one of the lowest marks in the league. So teams just aren't really squaring it up very well against them. And and when they are, uh, Enrique Bradfield seems to have been there to run it down. Or they're making plays. Yeah, what are we in ERA second? LSU, maybe? Yes, behind South Carolina, 323, Vandy, 335. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I, I'll be interested to see when we play South Carolina. I haven't – that's the one team I've only seen play one, in, one like, three innings. So I don't know a lot about them yet, but they're obviously playing very well. Yeah, I think they're really good. They are, they're crushing the ball. Now, some of that's been against an easy schedule, but they had – a lot of pitching talent coming into this year, uh, according to the you know the people who paid attention, and and I would say that is that is coming to fruition the way it was predicted. So, Chris, if we go, let's see, we're sitting at nineteen and five, correct? We have thirty games left. Yeah, sixteen and fourteen would put this team at what thirty five and nineteen. Yeah, it's something like that. I mean, they got some other midway. Here's the way I look at it. Um, They're 6-0 in the league. You got 24 league games left. You split those, you go 12-12. I think that team's a national seed. It's certainly hosting. But you throw in that UCLA series win, I think that is probably a national seed. So you're if you just if you just go five hundred the rest and oh by the way, they're going to be favored to win at least two against Georgia this weekend. Now that one's been a tough matchup for them in years past. I remember that series here two years ago, where Georgia yeah. just hit the daylights out of the ball, everybody up and down the lineup, and so sometimes stuff sneaks up on you. It did at the time, but just going to throw that out there. No, you're right. And baseball is baseball, so you're going to have bad nights and. You know, for instance, like tomorrow night against Lipscomb, will we continue scoring in, in double-digit runs? You know, I, I don't know. Will Will Corbs give some other guys some at-bats tomorrow night, or does he not want to mess with what he's doing lineup-wise? You know, will you see a T.J. McKenzie or a Calvin Hewitt get a start? Uh, I don't know. Espinal probably will start at catcher, I would think. Um, I don't know. But, you know – We've got some pitchers that need some work, too. That's one thing I wanted to bring up. I'm, I think Bryce's problems would, would be because he hadn't pitched in a while. We've, we haven't had to use our bullpen much, and some of those guys need work. And you can do so much in the bullpen. But, uh, you know, Ryan Ginter came in and only got to pitch to two batters. We haven't seen uh, the Thompson kids since that 17-inning game. Uh, we haven't seen Horn, but I think that was probably an injury. Dukanich has been injured. I think he's still another week away, maybe. Uh, I think Horn's probably close to being ready. Uh, I was happy for Jack Anderson to get in and actually be effective the other night. I know he he had to feel bad about his poor outing, Uh, so uh, good for Jack. I think they've got a national title caliber team. Um, Now, I – I think LSU's best team in this league right now. We'll see how that turns out. You mentioned they've got some some hiccups with pitching that that Vanderbilt the doesn't have. Yeah, yeah, the bullpen. Vanderbilt's is better. But now, look, the, the lineup, I know Vanderbilt scored more runs than everybody right now in SEC play. Now, if you switch that to all games, that's LSU, which has also played an easier schedule on the whole. But look, there's yeah, as much as I like Vanderbilt's lineup right now, there's no comparing that to LSU's. 
No, they've got. I mean, they got the best player in the country, and they've got uh, Trey Moore. Well, which one? I mean, it, it, it's one of two guys. Well, I think well actually, so. I tell you, the, the guy from Florida might might pull the hold my beer here because uh, he's a two way well, guy. But anyway, right? Yeah, I watched the entire uh, Florida Ole Miss game yesterday on replay, and Florida looked very impressive too. Uh, I know it was at Ole Miss when they swept Ole Miss there. Uh, they didn't pound the runs in like we did but they uh they looked really good they had a kid come out of the bullpen number 55 don't know his name but man he was good he was real good are you ready for the mailbag i think i lost him i'll take that as a yes the mailbag has been sponsored by our friends at sutherland and belk as I scramble for the ad read, which you would think I would know by now because I've done this for how many years now? Um, <laughs> here we go. Great I, I think I've just gotten lazy. It's always in front of me, so I don't memorize it. Okay. Our good friends at Southern Belk, Sutherland and Belk. Now I can't even pronounce the name. <laughs> A family-owned injury law firm, if you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help if they don't uh, defriend us after that train wreck of a read. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> You'll be better. You'll be better next time. It's, uh, yeah. Running on fumes here. Okay. Mamalo, after two weeks, what is your new prediction for Vanderbilt's final SEC record and your predicted order of finish for all teams in the SEC East? Well, I'd said 17-13. Hopefully it's better than that since we're 6-0. I think 20-10 is very doable. Uh, I think the rest of the league, I won't go through all 13 other teams, but I think you've got the two Mississippis are going to be in the bottom four. I think Georgia may be. I think Kentucky's a lot better than we thought. Um, and then everybody else, you can kind of throw a rope around. Everybody's good. I mean, on a given weekend, anybody can win two out of three. And there's been an, un, an, an inordinate amount of sweeps to me. It seems like that is a lot. Yes, there were five the first weekend. There were, what, three or four this weekend. It's been yeah, weird. That's strange. You don't see that much. And teams getting swept at home. So, you know, I it's it, I think it's it's wide open. There are three or four teams who have really problems pitching, but I think every team can hit the ball. Just about I don't know anybody that's not hitting it well now. You know, we were the team before conference play started that you worried about hitting. And I think everybody can hit it pretty good now. Ole Miss is last in league in runs scored in SEC games. Of course, they faced Vanderbilt and Florida, but they've still averaged almost four, almost six runs a game. They've scored 24 over six games. I mean, six runs a game, yeah. most years you'll take that. Now, the offense, I, I got my issues. I think it's – I think between the bats and the balls, it's more like pinball right now. I, I, I In fact, I don't – I've never been unhappier with the state of the college game between the run scoring environment, the the portal, the NIL, and the the stuff that's gone on with that, and the tampering, I, I don't think I've ever less been a fan of the way the game is played with all that. I I'm going to say this, and, and I, I brought it up once before, and you kind of halfway agreed with me, but it's okay. We can agree to disagree. I think the clock has a whole lot to do with it. I think you've got a lot of pitchers who are used to waiting longer than 20 seconds to throw a baseball in between pitches. And the fact that they know they got to get up, throw it, get up, throw it, is affecting some of that and their their location. And I, I don't know if that's all of it, but I think that compounds it. You know, it can always be more than one thing. I know people have a really sure. hard time with getting their heads around it being more than one thing. I think that's got to be part of it. I think I heard on the telecast, the Mississippi State guys were saying that umpires are being judged by, was it TrackMan or whatever? There's two of those programs that tell you where pitches are, are thrown, which, by the way, I've talked to the people that <laughs> handle those at Vanderbilt at times, and they will tell you sometimes that what is plotted on the screen and what a pitch actually was are not the same thing. Uh, one of those is better than the other. I don't remember which it is. But 
In any case, uh, apparently umpire strike zones have shrunk because they're being evaluated based on what does the computer say you're you're doing in terms of balls and strikes. And so that, in theory, is made for a smaller strike zone. Uh, could be that, too. Uh, I haven't paid a lot of attention to that. Uh, I thought the umpiring in our games this weekend was pretty good. The outside corner was kind of liberal, but with the well, if it, uh, if it hadn't been we we might still be watching baseball in Starkville. still be hitting yeah uh but besides that i didn't have any issues with umpiring okay go doors I, I guess this is a question we just dominated the last two college world series champions but they are they really not very good well like i said state can hit the ball but that, the other two parts of the game fielding and pitching they are lagging behind Ole Miss I think Ole Miss is going to come around like they did last year you know they weren't very good I think they got swept early in the season by UT and then they turn around and win the whole thing so there's time for I think they've got time to turn things around when they get there I don't know if their pitcher that's so good is coming back or not but I know he's really good uh that'll help them uh I don't think you can recover from 0-6, though, and get where you want to be. Hunter Elliott is supposed to be back, but I don't know. Sometimes those supposed to that that go a few weeks turn into something bigger. I guess we'll see. Yeah. And I'm I'm not saying that based on any information. It's just I've I've seen this before. This guy's going to be back, and then it's a couple more weeks and a couple more weeks, and then there's Mm -hmm. your season. So. Right. Okay. Um, Mamalo, top or total stolen bases for Enrique Bradfield Jr. and number of times caught stealing. All right. I'll give a good guess because I like that. Um, last year, what did he steal, Chris? You have that in front of you? 40 something? Was it 49 or 49 ish? I'll, yeah, I'll pull it up. He slid past the bag against Tennessee and was called out. So let's say he stole 49. I say he'll be in that same area, somewhere between 40 and 45. He's already got 17, and we've played uh, 24 games. So that's how many games yeah. to go? you got 18 in the league, and how 30. many out of conference? We've got 30 games left. And I think you could easily throw in another um, seven or eight conservatively on the postseason end. I think it's going to be more, a lot more than that, but we'll see. We have, we have 24. Yeah, I'm talking about the regular season. We have 24, 24 conference games left, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd I'd go one a game as a rough, rough guideline, which is about what he's yeah. done so far, and he's not even been. No, I, like again, I've I've had the theory for a while that he just hasn't been completely well. Right. So if he does that, you're looking at 47 stolen bases. Yeah. Okay. What have we got next? Year in no top three hitters. I'm sorry. I said no questions about Woody Woodenhofer. Uh well, we're not we're not to football yet. Um, <laughs> I asked. Oh, I think I suggested point. keep baseball, but everybody, you know, you still have people wanting. Well, no, I don't think I did it. <laughs> I said we're going to hit baseball today, but people went in other directions with the questions too. I'm I'm keeping them by sport all at once, so we don't have to change gears too much. Okay, okay. Mamalo, top year in three hitters and their final batting average is same for home runs. Final batting average. Well, I think Shrek will lead us in home runs. That's a that's a no brainer. Uh batting average. I'm gonna say actually Vastine. I think he's gonna have a streak where he gets that average up to about three twenty five to three fifty. Um and RBIs, I'll go with Shrek also. Yeah, I think home runs was a question. Top three in home runs. Shrek, Shrek would Shrek. easily be on that list. Shrek would be on that list. Uh, Diaz. And since Parker's got a little jump on everybody, I'll say Parker. Because when he gets that swing going to left and left center, yes. he can go on a tear in four or five in a week. So I'll say Parker Nolan will be in that as well. Okay, what have we got next? Let's see. 
Oh, two weeks. Which well, no, we did. We did the predicted order, didn't we? Or the final SEC record? Did we do that one or not? That was the first question. Oh, you know what? There was part of the question I didn't get to. Uh, predicted order of finish for all teams in the East. Yeah, I, I kind of went at that as a bottom four being the two Mississippi schools, Georgia uh, and A and M, and then I had everybody else kind of anybody could beat anybody. So I, 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 it's yeah. hard to predict after. Yeah. You know, we have a chance to win the thing, that's for sure. Uh, I don't know enough about South Carolina. Obviously, their record's great. I know Kentucky's better than we thought, or at least I thought. Um, up there, I think Tennessee is not near as good as they were last year. Their pitching has not been as dominant, that's for sure. And uh, their role bats hadn't worked. Sorry, Chris. Uh, but their rolled bats I haven't been working quite as well. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I think there's like six or seven teams that could win it. Yeah, I would go. Um, I would go Vanderbilt, Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee in that order. Although Missouri might might break in there too ahead of Tennessee because Tennessee's schedule's brutal. I think Tennessee's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They got what about LSU? You you left them out. Well, he said East. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought he meant the entire conference. I'm sorry. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, that's easy then. The, the East, oh, you I know, go. I left out Kentucky. Kentucky, which is number one in the RPI. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It, it's six or seven. It's teams, um, I don't think it's crazy good. Yeah. It is. It's crazy good right now. Now there'll be some separation as time moves on, obviously. But right now, you can't. Just point to one team and say they're going to win it for sure. There's not okay, one. Okay, here's team. here's who the teams don't play. Florida does not play Arkansas, LSU, Mississippi State. Georgia does not play Alabama, Mississippi State, or A and M. Kentucky does not play Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss. Missouri does not play Arkansas, LSU, Mississippi State. Carolina does not play Alabama, Ole Miss, A and M. Tennessee does not play Alabama, Auburn, Ole Miss. And Vanderbilt does not play Auburn, LSU, or A and M. Uh, yeah, Tennessee's. It's kind. Of, we are totally different from Tennessee. I think our best chance of winning games in sweeping series are the first four, and then after that, it gets tough. Tennessee's just the opposite. Their first, uh, you know, they got uh, what LSU, Florida, and then us in the next three weekends. It's um, L- at LSU, Florida, Knoxville, at Arkansas, Vandy, and Knoxville. Okay, then so it's Mississippi six. State at Georgia, Kentucky at South. It, like those last two series aren't easy for them either. No. Of course, Vanderbilt. No, got, yeah, Vanderbilt's going to go South Carolina at Tennessee, Kentucky at Alabama at Florida, Arkansas to end the year. So, uh, might might be good to grab as many wins as you can get the next two weekends because you yeah. might need them later. Yeah, put put some money in the bank. Absolutely. That's why this weekend we can't we can't rest on laurels. We got got to get two out of three at home against Georgia. All right, basketball question. Of course, we have a basketball sure. question. L- looks like we've already lost two members of last year's freshman class to the portal, and lost the entire class from the previous year. Is this a negative for the program, or just the nature of college basketball under the new rules? Is Stack too old school in the way he treats freshmen in the new portal world? I think a perfect scenario for basketball teams not just Vanderbilt is a couple of freshmen when you start getting three and four because you're not going to be able to keep up because everybody let's look at how old some of these teams are like UAB was started five seniors you know I think the portal even for Vanderbilt can work if you get two portals and two freshmen every year is a perfect blend in my opinion uh it's just a different day, man. It's so different. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether and the situation with Dia and Shelby has been, we don't want you back, or have they left on their own? I don't know that. I, I, I might try to work on that when I get back in town, try to figure that out. I don't know. Um, you know, Jerry had talked about how good Dia was as an athlete. 
But I always said, he's just so raw. He can't help you because he's not really doing anything. He just hunts his shot was all he was doing, really. So, you know, I, and I don't want to be negative on those kids. They're freshmen and whatever. And we obviously thought they were good enough or wouldn't recruited them. But I do think, to go back to the question, a couple of freshmen and a couple of transfers is the, rate, the way to go for most teams. Okay, VA72, and this is the last one, all things considered. What do you think is the current trajectory of the football program and why? Well, I, I made myself clear on this. I feel like we should be a bowl team this year. I think we should be playing Tennessee with six wins in our pocket. Um, reason I say that is because the least we should do in non-conferences is three and one. I know Clark will kick me in the butt for saying all this, but that's okay. I just like put a little pressure on him. Um, and I think we should win three conference games. So that's six before you play Tennessee is what I'm saying. All right. Course, we're done. Okay. Sorry. Unless you get a ton of injuries. I'm sorry. I always preface that with unless you get a ton of injuries, stuff out of your control. I, sorry. I didn't, didn't mean to cut you off the, uh, the stomach no, is growling. Okay. And when, when, when the kitchen calls, the attention span gets short. <laughs> Chris, I've enjoyed it. Likewise. Hey, Luke, thanks for coming on and we'll, we'll grab you again, uh, I guess next Monday. All right. Talk to you then. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.